0: Welcome to the legal merry-go-round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face: brushes with the police, oh boy; family disputes, oh no; An injury and in accident situations, ouch. And now here's Paul.
1: Hello, this is your host of the Legal Merry-Go-Round, Paul Samico. I'm an attorney, and I want to share with you today, as I always do, that in everything you do in life, not just in the law and the things that might bring you in connection to the law, please avoid the downs and savor the ups. That's right. You need to make sure that your life is filled with the positive and avoid the negative as best you can, because then you'll be happier. Then you'll be able to go out and order anything you want at the restaurant because you know they're going to have it. You're going to be on the merry-go-round in the ups and the downs just pretend they don't exist. All right. I know that's not reality, but that's my wish for you that you're always happy. You're always enjoying the ups and avoiding the downs. Today is Friday, so as a listener, long time for me here, and I know that you have been listening, right? Well, uh, this Friday is always as it is, Fender Bender Fridays, which is a discussion of injury type claims, not always auto accidents, but injury claims and what things go around and around the world in the matter of claims where you get hurt. Today, I'm not going to talk about cases that have been decided, as I often do. I'm going to take and talk about a case of a current client in my office, because this is crucially important. This is one of these uh, shows where my goal is to make sure that you are safe. So please buckle up and listen, because I consider this extremely important. I was hired by the parents of a little boy who was just turning two years old. He was burned severely, hot water burns in a bathtub, scalded, horrible, horrible burns. The kind of burns that are clearly going to be life altering, changing this little boy's life forever for as long as he lives. Well, I want to tell you what happened. This was a burn in a bathtub, and here are the facts. Now, this happened when the little boy was 13 months old. Mom and dad were having breakfast, and they asked the sister, the stepsister, to go and take the little boy upstairs and give him a bath. The little girl was seven years old very mature. So she went upstairs and she ran the bathtub. And unfortunately she only put on the hot water. There were two knobs, a hot water and a cold water. And she didn't realize that it was just the hot water that she was running. And then she plopped the little boy into the tub. And within seconds, he had suffered severe burns to the entire lower half of his body and up his back, screaming and yelling this little boy at 13 months old. Well, she didn't know what to do, and she pulls him out, and the parents are running upstairs. The child is then taken uh, by ambulance to a local hospital who medevaced him uh, to a burn unit in the area. They called me and they wanted to know if they could make a claim because they didn't think that the water should be that hot. And these folks were absolutely spot on. Now the case had a lot of different complications and it's still going on. I have not resolved this, but I want to share some of the the interesting aspects of this case and then get to the bottom line. The concern is The temperature of the water. So, if you don't know, most water heaters have a thermostat on them. These thermostats can be rotated so that the water can go from uh, settings sometimes A, B, C, and very hot. A typically is equated to 120 degrees, B, 130. C 140 degrees. And then there's a very hot setting. Now, in case you didn't know this, the thermostat, interestingly enough, has nothing to do with the temperature of the water as delivered. Now, I've learned all about this because of my involvement in the case. And I acknowledge I didn't know any of this beforehand. But the delivery temperature has nothing to do with the thermostatic setting. And there's a whole bunch of scientific reasons for this in terms of understanding the delivery of the water starting at the water heater, which is typically on a first floor or in a basement. The answer as to how to control this I'm going to get to. But the concern is that for children and for the elderly, their skin... Is very, very thin. And the time that it takes to have them suffer a burn is considerably less than it would be for an adult, even for a teenager. It turns out that the thermostatic setting was on very hot. Now, the parents had moved into this apartment about two months before this incident took place. They had never, ever, ever touched or even looked at the water heater. Probably much like you and certainly like me, I have no reason to look at my water heater. You call the serviceman and they come out and they do what they need to do once or twice a year and you think everything is fine. And you and I probably have the habit of either getting into the bathtub or the shower and testing the water with our wrist or what have you before we get it to the proper setting, And if we've done it enough, we know about where that that dial should be or how much to turn the knob to get the the hot and the cold water where we want it to be. Well, here's what happens. I told you I'd tell you why uh, the, the setting on the thermostat of the water heater has nothing to do with the delivery of the water and what you can do. The obligation, unfortunately not written down in state codes or rules or regulations, but the common sense and the right thing to do, obligation of the water heater manufacturer, or at the very least the plumber who installs the water heater, um, should put what is called a regulator on the water heater cables and, and lines to make sure that the water never exceeds 120 degrees at 130 or 140 or at temperatures above that uh, a child or an elderly person can receive horrible permanent scars after being exposed for less than four seconds so in a situation like this my client, this now two-year-old little boy, this happened to him again when he was 13 months old. He has scars on both legs, front and back, on his buttocks. Somehow, somehow, his uh, his penis was was spared, and up his back, his toes were so badly mangled that now, over a year later, he's already had seven surgeries just on. His toes. He's two years old and he still can't stand up because his toes were so badly mangled. They're doing surgeries uh, on him in the future to assist him with being able just to stand up, much less walk. Well, here's what what the concern might be. You heard me say that the parents told the seven-year-old stepsister to give little boy a bath. And you might say, well, that's the parents' fault. And I'm sure that's what we're going to run into because we see this across the country with these types of cases where the allegation might be that the parent was negligent. Well, that's just not the case. You know, let's take an example. You're a parent and you've got your child by the hand and you're walking down the street and all of a sudden the child breaks free and runs into the street. Is that your fault? Of course not. Are you negligent? Of course not. Well, in this case, the parents made a decision because the maturity of the seven year old was such that they knew they could trust her. And the fact that, well, unfortunately, she didn't know uh, only to turn on, uh, not to just simply not turn on the the hot water, uh, is not going to be a basis for the absolutely responsible parties in this the water heater manufacturer and the plumbers who installed the water heater, to escape responsibility. Nonetheless, here's what has to happen in this case. It's going to happen. I'm going to make sure it happens. The water heater manufacturer and uh, the plumber and the landlord are all going to be responsible here. The landlord, because they have to provide a safe space for their tenants to live, and this wasn't safe. And it wasn't safe because there was no regulator on the water heater. There was no regulator to keep the temperature as delivered at 120 degrees or less. The plumber is responsible because the plumber is the one who puts it in. And the plumber should recognize there's no regulator and go get it. You know how much a regulator costs? Retail, probably $50 or $60. Wholesale, uh, if delivered with uh, the water heater, maybe 30 or $35. What excuse could there possibly be for not putting that on there? Water heaters sell for, what, 800 900 $1,200, $1,800. And so the water heater manufacturer doesn't want to just simply put a, a regulator on there, knowing that these things can kill people or maim them permanently. This is a very, very upsetting case. I'm going to continue uh, to tell you more about it after the break. But the thing that I want you to take from this first half of this show today, I want you to go and check your water heater in your home. I want you to make 110% sure that it has a regulator because you just never know who's going to be using that shower or that bath. Even if it's just you living alone and you never have any guests, You still should have a regulator on there. The regulator, again, will cost 40, 50, 60 bucks, and it might be that the plumber will charge you $100 for his or her time to come out and do it. Go get a regulator and put that on your water heater. It is just simply too dangerous not to. The possibility of you being badly burned, severely burned, is very, very high if you don't have a regulator. And you say, well, I've been living in this house for 20 years and I've never had a problem. That's true, but you never know what could happen tomorrow if there's just the simplest little mistake. Uh, It's just not worth it. Anyway, I'm going to come back after the break and tell you a little bit more about this case, what we're doing, and how we expect to recover a lot of money for this little boy to compensate him for the, uh, the horror that he experienced and to arrange for funds that he's going to desperately need in the future. Burn injuries, folks, nothing to laugh at. Be back after the break. So do you still have the desire, or maybe you got rid of it when you were a little kid to be in the Guinness World Book of Records? You know, I always had these crazy ideas of all these things I could do to get into the Guinness World Book of Records. That would be pretty cool. The Guinness World Book of Records um, wanted to name federal inmate Jonathan Lee Riches as the world's most litigious man. Well, he realized they wanted to publish statistics about him, about how many lawsuits he had filed, uh, and he thought they were incorrect. So what did he do? He files a lawsuit against the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, they claimed that he had filed 5,500 lawsuits in his lifetime, but he stated it was only 4,000. So that makes 4,001. Wee the legal system. Somebody should have put a uh, muzzle on that guy a long time ago. <laughs>
0: Hey, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case, or a criminal matter, or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com, and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. And now, back to the show
1: okay i'm back so today fender bender friday talking about injury cases and in specific a case that i have in my office right now involving a a uh, bathtub scalding burn of a little, at the time, 13-month-old boy. So the second half of this show, I want to talk about two things to help, uh, help you understand what's involved in this type of a case. I have um, done a lot of work, and I want to describe what I'm doing and what I plan to do. And I want to talk about money, because um, this is going to blow your mind if you have no idea first of all, what I'm doing. I was hired and asked to help this little boy and to see if there could be a claim. So the first stage of, of this type of a case is the investigation stage. I researched and found out who the water heater manufacturer was, who the plumber was, and it was easy to find out the landlord because that's where they were living at the time. So I then went into true investigation mode to determine if there was any liability or any responsibility on the part of the, these individuals. And I learned that, yes, starting with the landlord, the landlord has to s- provide a safe environment for his or her tenants. In every landlord situation across the country, whether you're just renting a room in a house, whether you live in a, uh, a multi-unit uh, building Landlord is responsible for your safety, for the things that they have control over. And in this case, one of those, of course, is a water heater. Next, the plumber who puts in the water heater, uh, they are mass produced by the water heater manufacturer. The building um, is uh, equipped with water heaters uh, through the builder. Builder puts uh, the order in, they're delivered, plumber puts them in plumber has to recognize that the water heater does not have a regulator and at the very least he has to tell the landlord this doesn't have a regulator do you want me to go get it and the answer should always be yes no regulator was available to make sure that the water coming out as delivered in this water heater did not exceed 120 degrees And last but not least, the water heater manufacturer here is very, very, very responsible because they know, because they've been sued many, 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 many times uh, over this exact same issue. They know that if they put a regulator in there, that this never would have happened. And you'd now have a normal looking and uh, anticipating a uh, young man who would be well adjusted in his future life. I'm going to sidetrack for a minute and share with you the problems. This little boy has had over 30 surgeries. When burns occur, they go below the surface of the, of the skin. They burn all the way down to nerves underneath the skin. And when the nerves are burned, uh, the pain is eliminated because the nerves are what cause pain. But the initial pain is extraordinary. I I, I I don't even understand in my own head, I can't get my head around how bad that could be. Only experiences where I've had, uh, like all of you, I'm sure, you know, hot water or, you know, fire hits you or something, you know, that it just, it just tears me apart to imagine what this little 13 month old boy went through when he was plopped into that bathtub. But nonetheless, as you grow, you get taller your skin grows with you. But scars that uh, are formed on your skin do not grow. They are not elastic. So now this little boy has got at least another maybe 18, 19 years. How old are you when you stop growing? You're in your early 20s, right? Um, Every... Maybe month and a half, not month and a half. Every maybe year and a half, fifteen months, eighteen months. This little boy is going to have to have uh, what we call debridement. They're going to have to take the scars off of him and take good skin from other parts of his body and put that where the scars were. And he's got over sixty percent of his body that is burned. So they can't possibly replace all the skin because they're not going to use skin from his face. So he's going to have even more debridement procedures than if he only had maybe 10 or 15% of his body that was burned. I understand that these are so excruciatingly painful that individuals are given anesthesia and basically knocked out because they couldn't bear the pain during these procedures. Well, um, what happens when they wake up is again, the pain is just, you know, beyond, beyond describable. What happens is that they are immediately put into what are called pressure garments. Over half of this little boy's body is now going to have to have pressure garments. The pressure garments keep infection out theoretically and allow for the scars to become smooth, and you don't wear these for an hour or two a day. You wear them for basically 23 hours a day. You sleep in them, and the individuals who wear these describe itching that is just off the roof, Uh, so much itching, and you have to learn not to scratch it. So the pressure garments are taken off so that you can bathe, and then they're put right back on. Think about the expense that's involved. Think about the expense. I'm going to get to that, the money. I want to talk more about what I, as the attorney, I'm going to be doing here. I had to go out and hire expert witnesses. I had to find them first. The first one that came up was the mechanical engineer who I found. This man has testified before Congress and half a dozen, 10, 15 states in the United States and their legislatures about trying to push requirements uh, to force water heater manufacturers to put on regulators. He's testified as an expert witness in over 400 trials for water burns. He is truly an expert in how water is delivered, the temperatures, the mechanisms, and everything. So we're going to bring him to court if we can't make an out-of-court settlement to establish what in the law is called liability. Why is it that the parties are responsible and this man is going to be the one who's going to be my lead witness to tell the judge and the jury why uh, the individuals that were suing as defendants, why they're responsible, what they did wrong, what they didn't do, and what they should have done. Next, um, I have expert witnesses. These are uh, the damages witnesses. These are the individuals like the plastic surgeon who's going to come and describe the excruciatingly painful procedures that this little boy has gone through up to this point in his life and what's going to happen to him in the future. I've got anesthesiologists coming in. I've got dermatologists coming in. So all of these people are going to add a component part to what goes on in the treatment and care of a burn victim, and in this case, a child burn victim. Well, all of these people are also going to testify as to how much money it's going to cost in the future to have all of this care and this treatment for this little boy. Today's money isn't the same as tomorrow's money. As you know, when you uh, spend money today, it's going to probably be an additional amount of money three years from now for the same thing. So we hired someone called a life care planner. This is a person, a woman who has international acclaim doing this type of work. She's also a child uh, psychologist who can testify as to what issues and problems this little boy is going to have in his life. She's going to be in a position to take the, uh, the amounts of money that are detailed as to what costs are now and extrapolate that into the future so that we can have a finite number as to what amount of money is going to be responsible, uh, what amount of money I should say is going to be needed to properly and fully take care of this little boy for the rest of his life don't get me wrong. It's not just about medical treatment. It's also about psychology. Here's this little boy, never been to school. What do you think is going to happen to him when he goes to school? I can only imagine the mean kids and the bullies making fun of him. So he's going to need a very strong base from his parents to assure him that this is not his fault and that he is actually a special little boy because he is so strong in overcoming the problems that he's been living with since he was 13 months old. There's going to be a lot of head work, if you will, and that he's going to have to learn strategies to deal with those who are going to look at him. Look, I mean, you've seen burn victims. When you see them in the street and at work or wherever you might be, standing in the coffee shop, You know, you look twice. I mean, you hopefully are not rude and you don't say, gee, you look ugly. What happened to you? But these are the kinds of things that are internalized by the the survivors. I use the word victim, and I've learned not to do that. These are are survivors. These are strong people. So the psychology end of this, the counseling, the therapy that this little boy is going to need, uh, if he's like every other child who has ever suffered these types of injuries, is going to be enormous. I described what's involved here for the life care planner. Uh, My life care planner uh, has not yet put together the report that should be coming in several more months, but already she's told me that she expects that the life care plan, uh, the amount of money that's going to be needed, will exceed $10 million. Now, we go back and listen to what I just said, that an amount of money spent today will probably be more three years from now or four years from now. So we're going to get that big number. Then I have to hire an expert, because this is the court process, an economist to reduce that to, again, today's dollars. So there's a whole process that's involved in making sure that we get the right number and move forward. My client is going to be entitled not only to what we call um, Uh, the special damages. These are all the costs, these medical bills and what have you. And we're going to be able to extrapolate what kinds of work he might otherwise have been able to do that now he can't do as he reaches the work age. Um, So he gets quantifiable, easily calculable damages, which are called special damages. And he also gets What we call general damages. These are damages like things like pain, suffering, disruption of life, inconvenience, aggravation, stress, uh, embarrassment, humiliation. These are not quantifiable. What are these worth? Well, we're going to find out in this case eventually because uh, if we don't make a a settlement with the three defendants here, uh, an out of court settlement, we'll go to court and we'll try the case and we'll see how much money a jury awards my client for all of these special and the general damages. And I'm also going to ask for punitive damages in all probability on this case, because we have a witness who is a former employee of the water heater manufacturer who testifies, who will testify, that the company knew of these dangers and refused to do anything. I think that's a behavior that, uh, is reckless. I think it, it it's abandoning the the very common sense concern about the well-being of, of human beings. I think that's going to give rise to punitive damages. I know the defense lawyers for the water heater manufacturer are going to fight that, and I'm not uh, 110% sure what's going to happen, but we're going to make the claim. In any event, what I want to share as a final thought before I conclude today's discussion of burn injury and what to do and what lawyers do and money. uh, I want to talk just briefly to those of you who might find yourself in a position to be caring for burn survivors. Burn survivors' families are angels. These are the people who, uh, well, okay, what is the expression just in a normal situation with a parent and a child? When you are a parent you agree that for the rest of your life, you're going to always be worrying. Isn't that true? Your happiness is directly related to the happiness of your child, and you're going to do everything you can as a parent to make sure that your child is getting all the needs of uh, everything involved in, in this situation taken care of. There is a an expression, a term in, in the world of Of caregivers. It's called compassion fatigue. And I know you have some immediate understanding of this, but I'm going to explain it just a little bit because my hope is that if you are a caregiver for uh, a burn survivor or anybody that needs medical care, I mean, an elderly parent, you have to take care of yourself first. You're no good to anybody you're trying to take care of if you are fatigued and stressed and unable to function. Uh, let, let's just even think about, you know, that simple concept when you get on an airplane with your child, right? Don't you recall hearing the announcement that, you know, in the event of a water landing or in the event of a, a crash, the, um, uh, the little cup will, will, will drop down and it delivers air and oxygen to you and to the people next to you. So if you're riding with your child, make sure you put on your mask first. And you do this so that you can function, and then you put the mask on the child. We've all heard that. It's the same thing. Compassion fatigue. You are compassionate. You are loving. You are caring. But you have to take care of yourself first so that you can then fully take care of uh, the one in your family who needs the attention. So the, the way that you you do this is by making sure that there are others who can help you. That's right, others who can help you, a family member, um, uh, a mature child uh, that can do certain things, A, a spouse, a grandmother, an aunt. Don't be afraid to ask for help. This is crucial. You are Superman or Superwoman. Yes, I know you are, and thank you for doing that on behalf of the one that you're loving and caring. But you can't do it all. So please make sure that you set up a support system, and that the um, the the needs of the uh, of, of the person you're caring for are completely met by individuals who have the strength and the energy and the clarity of focus to be able to do those things that are needed. Finally, um, I want to share that the burn community is exhaustive. It it is just extensive. It's not exhaustive. It's extensive. If you find yourself the victim uh, of a burn, you are a survivor or you have a loved one who is, go on to the internet and look up burn survivor resources. They're all over the country. Look for help. Ask for help. Even for little children, which is something that I'm hoping that the parents of my uh, client here are going to do when he's old enough is send him to what's called a burn camp over the summers. You know, little kids go to camp, right? Did you go? I I went once, and, you know, it was a lot of fun. You do all the activities in a, in a woodsy environment, right? Well, it's the same thing with these little children who have been burned. But now they're looking at kids who are like them. They're looking at kids who are strong and have, uh, are overcoming uh, the clear... Situation of looking different because of their burns and having some types of disabilities because of these burns. They're in a group of people like themselves where nobody is looking at them funny or ostracizing them. These are wonderful, wonderful institutions. I highly recommend that if that's a situation for you, that you look into burn camps for your child. Okay, that's a lot of talking. Um, burns, horrible, horrible, horrible situations. Um, I don't solicit on this uh, podcast for my legal services, but I do want to tell you that you need an attorney who is experienced and knows what he or she is doing. If you uh, are someone who is a burn survivor or you're caring for someone who is a burn survivor, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, No questions uh, will be unanswered. No charge for talking to me whatsoever. Uh, I'm here to help. I can be a resource for you. And if, lo and behold, you decide you want to take and use my legal services, I would be honored. I take these cases all over the country. Anyway, Fender Bender Fridays is now over on the Legal Merry Go Round. Have a wonderful weekend and please tune back in on Monday for the Marital Mondays edition of the Legal Merry Go Round. Thank you for listening and thanks for your ear. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.